All right, welcome to another segment of Let's Talk UNLV on KUNV. You got with co-hosts Keith and Renee. Renee, how was your weekend? Weekend was pretty chill. Went and got some Thai food, uh, went to the gym, uh, walked on the trail. I'm really glad, glad to see that the uh, temperature is kind of, you know, with, with everything is not, you know, 120, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so that's been nice. Uh, what about you? Well, this weekend we, you know, with we had already pre-planned it, but we took 100 high school kids to Southern California. Ooh. We did two In college- my neighborhood. Hey, in your yeah, neighborhood, in Southern neighborhood. Cal, right? That's right. You know, kids out there crip walking and... <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> but no, I'm kidding. But no, but we, we visited a Cal Poly, USC. Oh, wow. Okay. And then we capped it off with uh, a cultural oh, you, enrichment fun trip. You the went to the top-notch to schools. Okay. Yeah, kids got All to go right. to Universal Studios. Okay. So it was... Oh, that's wonderful. A nice trip, you know, for the kids because okay. they've really worked <clears throat> extremely hard during the academic year. Mm-hmm. Did you and do the ho- the Hollywood Walk of Fame? You did. You did. We didn't do Man that. Man, Chinese theater. We were just in and out. We were oh, there gotcha. for like two days. So. Okay, but gives us something else to do when we go back. Right, and the beach. You right there at the beach. You got. We didn't to make it beach. to the beach either. Okay, all right. Next time, run the itinerary by me from Southern Cal. Okay. I got. It. I, I I didn't do that, but <laughs> definitely next time. Next but I'm, time. But yeah. I'm excited. You know, as we're preparing to return back to campus. We've been doing a lot of work. We mm-hmm. had some successful virtual conferences, have mm-hmm. some coming up. Mm-hmm. But I want to invite our guests. We have um, Sonny Giddens, who's our executive director of a student involvement activities. And then we also have Jason Scott, who's a doctoral candidate, hopefully to be joining the club shortly. Oh, he going to get it. He going to get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it's done. We claiming that. Yeah, it's done. But each of them also work very closely on our Justice Impact Project Rebound. And so we wanted to just hear some some of the positive momentum that we've realized over this past year and how we're moving the conversation forward and making putting together more support services for justice impacted students here at UNIV. So, Jason and Sonny, welcome to, to the segment. Thank you. Great, great being here. And then if we could just maybe, <clears throat> Jason and Sonny, in turn, if you could just maybe share how you got connected to the Justice Impact Project. Well, I got involved with the Justice Impacted Movement a few years ago. I have personal and professional reasons for being involved with this. One of my duties as a doctoral candidate is to teach sociology classes. And one of the most important things I I believe an instructor can do is to get to know their students. Uh, When you get to know your students on a personal level, I think it allows classroom to become a more interactive place where we can connect theory and practice and and how it relates to the the real world. And one thing that I noticed over the course of a few semesters is I would have a few students come up in my criminology classes to let me know that they were either formerly incarcerated or they had a run-in with the criminal justice system and how difficult it, they were finding uh, the process of navigating higher education. And I wanted to let them know that they weren't alone on campus. There were plenty of resources available to them. And with my own background, I was available to assist them through their trials and tribulations. So I started to network with various faculty and staff members on campus in terms of what can we do to assist this student population. 
And it was a slow process for a couple of years, but finally I was connected with Dr. Renee Watson. And uh, from that moment forward, I feel as though the trajectory has been fantastic. Uh, Dr. Watson and Sonny Gittins uh, helped establish the Justice Impacted Task Force. And with that, we've had a lot of great things come out of it, a summer institute, uh, a peer mentoring program, and most importantly, a dialogue that's allowing the campus community to, uh, to understand that justice-impacted students are dedicated to higher education, and they excel uh, in the academy just like any other student, uh, just like any other student would. Now, Jason, I forgot to share with you as one of the offline disclaimers, we cannot give Dr. <laughs> Watson any credit on the show. Because if you were sitting across from her, you would see her just beaming and her starting to levitate out of her seat. Keith, but, just stop. I, I got it, but she just, just deserves stop. the props. There's, there's no question about it. Uh, without Dr. Watson, I truly question whether or not I would have remained enrolled. So uh, her beaming and levitating out of her seat is, is a well-earned uh, accolade. And we kid, just so we kid. Yeah, yeah, we kid. Uh, but Sonny, if you want to maybe speak to how you got connected to the to this to this movement. Yeah, I will actually have to admit that when Dr. Watson reached out to me about the Justice Impacted Task Force, I really did not know very much at all about um, Justice Impacted, and so um, I despite 20 years in higher education. So I had to actually do a lot of um, self-education um, and looked at resources available to higher education through um, national associations and different readings. Um, but I will also say that Jason Scott was a big piece of me understanding um, exactly what the structural and cultural barriers are for students that have a record of conviction um, and how it is that UNLV could be more accessible and supportive of our formerly convicted students so that they could graduate with a degree. Um, and so I will probably at this point say um, my passion for this comes from the opportunity to meet with a number of students who took the personal risk of sharing and disclosing their own um, record of convictions and their stories and what it was, um, some of the challenges that they've experienced attempting to complete their degrees. And based on those student stories is really where I felt like, hey, we need to really mobilize UNLV faculty and staff to recognize that we have a, a number of students on our campus that are justice impacted um, and that, that there are ways that faculty and staff can be more supportive for that student population and that they have unique needs that UNLV needs to be addressing. So if you could just maybe give us a, a basic definition or the working definition that you all are using for Justice Impacted and then maybe talk about some of those barriers that uh, you identified and then you know pivot to what are some steps that we're taking initially to um, address those uh, barriers that you've already identified? Sure. I define justice impacted as any individual who has been arrested or convicted of, um, of an offense with the criminal justice system. Uh, I don't think that we should create a hierarchy in terms of uh, 
who to include or not include in terms of offense type. So a person can uh, simply an arrest and being uh, uh, housed in a jail until their trial. Um, and maybe they didn't have uh, a criminal conviction, but they were still impacted by the system because of the negative uh, the neg- negative experience they had. And then individuals who may have a misdemeanor or felony uh, offense, um, those are the ones that we're talking about uh, when we define justice-impacted students. And I'm sure all of you know that there are cultural barriers that are involved in uh, uh, in the sense that finding adequate employment and housing, a lot of this, um, a lot of this, becomes very difficult uh, to have gainful employment or to have adequate housing. Because when you apply for an apartment uh, or you want to rent a house or even get a loan, some loan companies uh, ask a question, have you ever been convicted of a felony offense or a criminal offense? So it's something in your past that never seems to go away. And uh, these are some of the things that impact uh, those that we call justice-impacted students. And one thing that I found interesting is that one in three adults has a criminal record. And, of course, there's disparities in the criminal justice system that range from arrests to sentencing decisions that really have disproportionately impacted individuals of color. Um, and so I really see UNLV's efforts around serving our justice-impacted students as being a social justice movement of um, addressing those that sometimes have been impacted by the stigmatization of their interaction with the justice system. And so some of our students are hesitant to disclose their status to others, and yet they do have additional needs that maybe our other students don't. So some of those would relate to, um, as Jason had highlighted, around um, access to housing and financial aid. Um, and loans, but then also an employment for sure. Um, but we also see that um, those that have um, convictions are more likely to have the also individuals that have a disability. Um, there's sometimes some psychological trauma associated with their experiences. And so there's a, a number of unique needs of the student population that UNLV can be helping these individuals to be able to graduate with a degree. And related to some of the, the barriers that you discussed and some of the needs, what are some of the recommendations that have come forward out of this committee or this group's work? One of the things that students have shared is that it can be really disconcerting to call an office and talk to a random person and disclose their status. And so what students said is like, hey, we would like an individual point of contact, like an actual person's name, where we know this will be a safe and inclusive environment for us. And so one of the things that we have created is a website. Um, on. So if you go to UNLV and you Google Justice Impacted on our website, you'll see a website And there we have actually a variety of faculty and staff who have stepped forward and said, like, hey, I will be a point of contact for students in particular um, for various offices so that students know if they contact those staff that they will have someone that will understand the structural and cultural barriers that justice-impacted students have and that will be an environment where they um, can provide those. But one of the other 
things that students have shared is definitely there's some um, financial stresses um, in terms of being able to complete their degree, particularly because finding employment and housing can be um, a challenge as well as legal services. So one of the things that we are working on right now is um, applying for use of American Recovery Relief Funds um, so that we could provide some scholarships to justice-impacted students, um, as well as some housing stipends. Um, also, access to technology and the ability to check out, like, loaner laptops. Um, one of the other um, particular services that students have requested is that sometimes our formerly incarcerated individuals have shared that while they're incarcerated, they don't have as much access to technology. And so then now when they are back in the community um, and UNLV is saying, like, hey, you're going to access this portal and you're going to go here, it's, it's all, like, new information for them. And so one of the services is really looking at um, technology um, in addition, of course, to legal services as well. Jason, what else would you add to that? Something else that I would add to that is the importance of having a mentor. Uh, the students have been great in terms of collaborating with each other and creating a support uh, and mentor-mentee relationship. Uh, but I think it's extremely important for faculty to take on some of, uh, some of these roles as mentors as well. Uh, one thing that justice-impacted students don't to be uh, is isolated to the realm that you committed a crime. Uh, your master status is that of a criminal. That couldn't be further from what they want. Justice impacted students uh, don't ask. They demand to be viewed as scholars and academics. And we want faculty and staff to view us as such. And uh, we stress the importance of having faculty and staff take us under their wings as mentees. And they can help guide us through the, uh, the academy uh, as uh, future academics. So... Sonny, you admittedly said that when you started this work, you didn't know much about uh, Justice Impacted. And I'm sure that took some level of humility, um, having, you know, served in student affairs for so long um, and realizing this is not really topics that really come up even in our education um, as, you know, those who, uh, you know, receive the master's and doctoral programs and higher ed programs. Um, what was your process? I mean, maybe talk to a listener who's wondering, like, where do I begin? I mean, you know, I'm just hearing about Justice Impacted in this uh, podcast. I mean, so maybe give some examples of how did you begin to do your own research and changing, you know, your language and 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 making yourself available to students to learn more about their experiences. What what was your process like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I will say while I don't feel like it's a topic that higher education talks about enough, it turns out that there are a lot of academic papers mm. um, and national associations and resources that can assist. I just think it's not as prevalently discussed as it needs to be. Um, and so if you do search for that information, it is out there. But one of the um, community partners that has been great to work with is an organization in Las Vegas called Hope for Prisoners. Um, and I think that they have been great at sharing resources within the community, but also really sharing what are the structural and cultural barriers um, that 
those that are, have a record of arrest um, experience. Um, but I will also say our task force does offer trainings. And so um, we would be happy to come to any um, staff teams, um, faculty groups, and do presentations um, because many of us that are on the Justice Impacted Task Force realize that it's not a topic that everybody is familiar with. And I very much would say that students um, have shared with us that they would like for faculty and staff to have more cultural competence around working with students with a record of conviction. And so whatever we can do to increase um, staff development and training around that topic, um, but I would happy to be a resource for people um, on campus and love sharing the knowledge that I've been able to acquire over the past couple of years as well. And then, Sunny, I know you mentioned that through some of your research that one in three adults sort of fall into this category. Uh, does that number bear out from what we can tell from in the, within the university student community? Yeah, I will say one of the great things about UNLV is that our admissions application does not require individuals to check the box, which does make UNLV more accessible. It also means that um, having an exact number of how many of our students are justice impacted has been a challenge for us. But between surveys um, and then also looking at other um, urban large institutions, we estimate that about 10% of our student population um, are justice impacted. And I will certainly say that um, you can't look at a room full of students and know who is or is not justice impacted, right? It's something that um, you can't tell just by looking at students. And so I have found that the more I let students know that I um, it could be a resource for justice impacted students, the more students have disclosed to me their status. And I know that there was recently the Summer Institute that was held. Could you and Jason talk a little bit about the focus of the Summer, Summer Institute and what were some of the outcomes of the Institute and maybe some next steps? Sure. Uh, we were thrilled to host a three-day um, Summer Institute in May um, and this really came about in part because as we started doing some training development for faculty and staff and students, um, a lot of faculty started asking more questions, and we decided that we needed a panel of experts outside of UNLV. Um, but we managed to make contact with Project Rebound, which is a well-established program in the Cal State University system. Um, and the regional director for Project Rebound helped put together this institute. And there was a variety of expert panelists, um, many from Project Rebound, but also from University of Oregon and Rutgers University. So we have recorded the institute, and I am happy to widely share um, the YouTube link so that others can view the institute. But the goals for the institute really was for UNLV to create an action plan um, that by the end of the Institute, UNLV would have a greater idea of what it is we need to do moving forward to enhance our services and resources for um, justice-impacted students. And so that's 
where we are now is trying to implement that action plan. And one of the realizations I think that we had through that institute is that we need to look at having a full-time staff um, that are available that can assist students with navigating UNLV, um, serving as kind of a case manager, referring students to various services on campus, um, but also collaborating with community partners um, to enhance the pipeline of individuals um, from corrections to college uh, pipeline so that we can increase the number of individuals that see um, a getting, attaining a degree as being a viable option for those that have a record of arrest. Jason, what were your big highlights from the uh, Justice Impacted Institute? I think you framed them uh, quite well. Uh, in addition to that, I would say one of the major outcomes, at least from the perspective of justice-impacted students, the institute enfranchised and empowered voices of justice-impacted students. Uh, we were able to present voices from coast to coast, California to New Jersey and in between. And we highlighted the voices of several accomplished students. We talked to students that were at the undergraduate level. We talked to students at the master's and doctoral level. Uh, many of the students were multi-year deans, award winners, deans list award winners, uh, uh, competitive fellowship winners. So it showed that students who are justice impacted, uh, they do have a real voice and they have this lived experience that uh, they're able to they're able to do well in higher education, and it's to educate the educators in terms of how to help this segment of uh, the student population. So I think that was another important and key component that may not have been on the radar of, uh, of those who created the Institute, but I do think it was an outcome uh, when I talked to various justice-impacted students about it. And I know you mentioned that there's an interest in growing the pool of mentors from the university. How, if someone is interested in becoming a mentor, what, what's that process? Yeah, um, that's a fabulous question. I will say if there's any students or faculty or staff that are like, hey, I would like to be involved with this, um, I would say that Sunny Guttons would be a good contact person and they could reach out to me. I am keeping a list um, of students and faculty and staff that are interested in being mentors. Um, and then we are looking to um, increase our ability to refer students that need services to those mentors that are on our list. Do students or faculty need any particular experiences or just have an interest in being involved? I would say at just an interest. We will work with any faculty and staff um, to provide the resources that they need in order to fulfill that role. Um, but a lot of times, I'm actually finding that a number of the people that have reached out to us actually do have a personal passion or experience before they've come to UNLV um, that, in particular, um, has launched their interest. But it really would be anyone. Um, so I will say I, when I came into this role, like I said, I didn't have a particular knowledge, um, but it really is listening to the student stories 
um, where I was like, oh, I can assist these students, even if it's not a personal identity that I share. Jason, we'll give you the last word. I would like to echo what Sonny said, and I can't stress the importance that those who want to help don't have to have a specific knowledge or experience to help. Extending a hand, letting students know that you're willing to mentor them, that you're willing to provide some guidance in higher education, I think that's a great first step. And collaboratively and collectively, we can work our way through this process together. So for those that want to help, don't be discouraged because you haven't been formally trained. Know that as an academic scholar or staff member, you do bring something valuable to the table. And that value can be passed along to the students that need it the most. All right, Renee, what were some of your takeaways from today's segment? Well, you know, that final point, I'm going to, you know, share that uh, Jason reached out to me and asked for me to be his mentor. And I thought my first best attempt would be search far and wide, (laughs) (laughs) you know, on this campus or through Inchi, you know, to find a a mentor. And and he, you know, he just broke it down to me. He was like, no, Dr. Watson, that's not what I'm looking for. Just looking for someone just to see me, someone to... to have coffee with, someone to just, you know, uh, be there. And I was convicted. And I said, wow, Jason, I'm so sorry that I discounted me. And so I just really want to echo that sentiment that you are enough faculty and staff, that uh, these are wonderful students to work with. They inspire me. Uh, Jason's story is one that resonates with me uh, because I just have a heart for disenfranchised students. And so I'm, I'm, I'm all the better uh, of a professional and administrator because of being uh, with Jason and having this, uh, you know, experience of, of being his mentor. Um, but I think the mentoring component is so, so critical. And I'm just uh, so pleased to be on this journey with him. Yeah, and I echo that. And I'm so appreciative just to hear, you know, all the great work that is emerging that's needed to be able to help these students be seen. And I know that through my work, we do we work with a lot of students who are similarly impacted. And this is important work. And I'm glad to hear that we are making progress. I'm going to become a mentor myself. OK, so that's why I was All asking right. the question. So Get I'm it on the list, Sonny. Get it on the list. list. You heard it here. <laughs> but but finally, I, I do want to, you know, Yay. <laughs> I do want to also give a shout out to Sonny. I mean, you know, you can. You can plant the bread cup crumbs and you can you can you can you can can nudge folks, but it really does take leadership to get us this far and that has really been uh Sonny Gittens. And so uh the Summer Institute and Go Sonny. Go Sonny, right. <laughs> and now uh <laughs> this uh, uh project rebounds. I mean, really she has been a go getter. I mean yes. uh with this and so I, I would not want to close out this uh podcast without acknowledging her work uh, because she is just taking this program farther than I could have ever envisioned. Yeah, well deserved. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of KUNV Let's Talk UNLV. For my co-host, Keith, I'm Renee. Tune in next week, Wednesday at 12, on KUNV 91.5 Jazz and More. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.